Hello, and welcome to episode 154 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Philip Foriska. Hey, everybody. And Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. You know, you scared me a little bit with your hello. That was even more jovial than usual. Yeah, I'm feeling chipper today. I, I don't know why. I got some energy back. I, 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 I've had a busy week, but it's been a good week. Lots of demos, so we'll 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 have a high energy on this one, I think. And I'm excited about the content. And speaking of the content, it's a Melissa episode, everyone. Here's Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. Melissa Caveat. I, I'm gonna count how many times you say caveat today. <laughs> There's gonna be at least a couple. Yeah. You know you know what's crazy? I, I introduce you guys every episode and sometimes I mix it up, sometimes I play it straight. I had a dream. I was doing the podcast earlier this week, and you got mad at me, Melissa, because <laughs> I was being funny, and I said, Philip Farisco, Peter DeMeo, and then instead of saying your full name, I said Mel Kavanaugh, and I know how much you hate being called Mel, so, <laughs> so you, you got mad at me live on the show, so don't do That's that today. <laughs> I just think it's funny you're dreaming in podcasts. Okay. <laughs> If you could see my head and all the crazy dreams I have, you would be like, what in this world? Um, I dream in video games and movies, or problem solving. It's the weirdest thing. Lucid dreaming. I don't know. And I dream about toilets, which is probably why I don't want to see toilets in hotel photos. You dream Side about note. toilets? Very frequently. It's got to be a hidden meaning to that. It's like someone... public restrooms, toilets. They're That's never good. Good. That's like the riskiest dream you could ever have. <laughs> <laughs> well, Melissa, I don't think, I might be wrong, but most of our audience probably didn't tune in to listen to your, your toilet dreams. What did, they, what did they tune in to listen to today? You want to kind of lay the groundwork? Goodness gracious. We have released volume five of five, our five, five, sentiment five, five. study. <laughs> Sorry. This is off the rails already. I love it. All right. Keep going. Volume five of Volume our consumer five. sentiment study, which is subtitled Guest Safety Will Dictate New Tech Needs. And this is the sequel to episode 151, where we talked about, I think that was the third um, edition of the study. So for those of you who don't know, we've been running every two weeks. So we, for, for two straight months now, every two weeks, we've been running a sentiment study to a bunch of leisure travelers and, and asking them a ton of questions. And so number five is, is interesting. We, we mixed it up. We added some new questions. We asked some of the same questions. So today, we're just going to run through some of the insights we're getting. And hopefully, that will help you make decisions as you're opening and recovering your business. Yeah. All, all right. We'll see. Yeah. And before we do that, though... We need to go and check on and what's going on in the news of ruse. All right. Well, with hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for you've tuned into the news of ruse. Don't do that. I was so excited that you were going I'm... old school, OG, <laughs> and you go and pull the rug out from under me right at the last minute, Pete. Maybe next week. Maybe next you're, week. You're a big old disappointment. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, here's what is, is not a disappointment. And this news item comes to us from Travel Pulse, 
and it's Crystal Cruises launches Voyage Assurance Policy for select 2020-21 sailings. And I kind of bring this up because they are taking a page somewhat from Hilton and other hotels <clears throat> on that side of the, the tourism business. And they're offering 100% uh, cancellation refund if you cancel your cruise within seven days of departure. And they're also rolling out a lot of other really, I guess, cutting edge things from a travel perspective for cruises for reduced deposits, you know, better cancellation policies, you know, a lot of different things that the hotel industry has been doing for the last several weeks. We're starting to see the cruise lines catch up and try to reclaim some of that lost market share that they have. Uh, One thing I kind of want to build on on this is if you were to look at just about, I mean, throw a dart at a cruise stock, if it's Caribbean, if it's Norwegian, if it's Carnival, they've all seen double-digit growth in the last day or two in terms of their stock prices. And it's definitely suggesting people might be trending toward thinking about doing cruises again. False. I would agree with that. (laughs) This is fake news, Pete. It is not fake news. Look look at my uh, TD Ameritrade account. (laughs) (laughs) I say this is fake because according to our data and probably any other consumer sentiment study done recently, nobody's going on a cruise. I don't care if there is a money back guarantee. People are not going on a cruise anytime soon. I was going to say they were listening to us because our studies are saying that people want flexible cancellation. So they... Took a little page out of our book. Well, they're trying to, right? I mean, they, they have a a product that, honestly, nobody wants right now. And they're doing what, honestly, good hoteliers should do and try to break down those barriers that are making people not book. And for me, it's not that I can't cancel it. It's that I don't want to go on a cruise right now. But there's a segment that wants to go on cruises still. And their concern is if we have a COVID resurgence – they're not going to be able to go on the cruise and they're going to be out there deposit. So they are addressing the need of the, the market in one way. Or they're going to get on a cruise and not be able to get off it for months. Well, like they, they say, buy three days, get two weeks free. <laughs> <laughs> two months at this point. The cruise yeah. industry is nothing like the whole, I, this all is right. all fake. Well, I'm very this, adamant about this. <laughs> if this was the, I've never heard you so passionate about anything in your life. Um, Mel, if, Mel, if, Mel. Hey, if this was the fuel cruise marketing podcast, I think we'd probably have a different listenership that would probably uh, argue with us. But yeah, there are people that are just hardcore cruisers and there are people that just it's not something that they're really that interested in. And those those average people are not going to rush back to cruising. They're going to do what we're seeing. The sentiment study tells us they're going to do what we're seeing already in some markets where they're going to dip their toe in by going to a hotel within a two-hour radius before they try anything more extravagant than that. So, yeah, the good news is, and why we're talking about this, is this is an opportunity. And we've talked about this a lot on the show in the last several episodes. You are going to have to deal with a complete new reality from a marketing perspective. What you did last year will not work anymore the playbook you have can be thrown out the window. You've got to get scrappy. You've got to get creative. And you've got to find new sources of customers at the same time that all your competition is doing the same. So the more creative you are, the faster you are at that, the bigger the advantage is. So people that typically go on cruises 
are now people that are potentially looking for hotels. So how can you target them? How can you get them and convince them that a cruise is not for them, that they need to come stay at your hotel? What is it you or, can do and you can offer? Our cruises are going to jump on Airbnb as a houseboat. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it at the dock. You can come stay like it's a hotel on the water. That that's actually not a bad idea, right? Is if if you st- if they start seeing compression in some destination markets, is, can you open up a percentage of your inventory as hotels instead of as a cruise, you know, no. on the ship? So that's maybe it's it's not be, how far, be a capsule hotel. It's not how far you go out in the ocean that's calling COVID. That's no, but COVID. no, but the difference is right. If you go out in the ocean, you have to have critical mass to be profitable because you've got True. all these other expenses you could operate at maybe a 20 percent occupancy on a cruise if it was docked potentially but I, i'm just throwing it out, out there as a this is how creative folks are going to have to get right they're going to have to look outside of their normal playbook and say what can i do that i've never done before and pete you i mean you've seen this with one of your clients recently from a um catering standpoint right someone that used to offer big breakfasts and now no longer does, and, and what impact that's had on their actual well, F&B sales. Yeah, and I was going to talk about that a little bit. I was going to hide some of it because I think it's a it's a good full topic of what's changing that is never going to come back. And yeah. in the case of this hotel in particular, they offer a complimentary breakfast for anybody who booked direct. What they found was obviously after COVID, they had to end that and go with just like a box breakfast, more or less. Right, because it used to be a buffet, right? All you can it was. Buffet. Yeah. So now they, they did have guests who were upset, rightfully so, that there was no longer free breakfast. In most cases, those guests understood. But the one thing that they found that was very unexpected was their F&V sales for lunch went through the roof to the point where even after COVID, this individual property is not going to be bringing back their breakfast buffet. Because people weren't going downstairs, filling up on all the bacon they could possibly eat, and just foregoing lunch completely. So it was really interesting to see that that shift. And I think you're going to see a lot of that in different places throughout the hotel industry where we're going to make changes and we may realize what we were doing in the past may not have been the best thing. And this is just the test to, to prove it out. Yeah. It's like a friend of the show, Tim Peter, always says, right? You, when you, and it's not his original quote as a French philosopher, but he says, when you invent the ship, you invent the shipwreck. But you can also kind of flip that around. In, in, and I don't have a catchy way to say it like he does. But everything you do, there's, a, there's some kind of reaction to it. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction, I guess, if you're going the Newton route. But there's some kind of consequence to every decision you make. And sometimes you don't anticipate what that consequence is. But there's, there's an element of serendipity because we're trying so many new things that we're discovering these little fortunate mistakes that turn into opportunities. And I think this is a prime case of that where it's like, well, our goal here is to stop the spread of corona by not having a buffet. The result, unintended result, is, well, we're now getting a lot more revenue from F&B because people aren't being gluttonous and eating too much bacon. So, <laughs> Hey, can, can, I give, can I give you another... Uh, prognostication? Sure. Daily housekeeping may be going away. Oh, that's foreshadowing because we have a question that we're going to d- dive into in a big way in a little while. So uh. I guess with that, 
let's, let's jump into the actual content of today's show. So again, we did a sentiment study. This one went out to about five, we went out to a lot of people, about 5,000 people filled it out. So it's still a very large sample size. Leisure travel is primarily um, the, the eastern seaboard kind of states. So, you know, Pencil, we got like Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina, West Virginia. A lot of that kind of area is where the, these folks are from. But there, there are people spread out all across, you know, some in Canada. I think about 5% were from Canada. We got a bunch in California and such. So it, it's a widespread, but keep in mind, that's who it, we're, we're talking to in this survey. But you want to just jump in, Melissa, kind of go through. Yeah. And let's just start out me. with some of the new the new ones that we asked this time. Because people oh. listen to episode 151, they might have already heard some of this. But there's some new stuff. All right. We're going to start with number four. Four, 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 four. Which asks the following. It said. Oh, oh sorry. Oh. Can I just say before you do that? If you want to follow along with the fancy graphs, because we will be describing graphs, which is really hard to do in an audio podcast, but if you want to see them while we're talking about it, go to fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 154, and it'll be a link right there to the study results. So fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 154. Continue. Okay. Pick the top three reasons that would prevent you from staying in a hotel right now. And this is the order in which people voted. Number one was fear of other guests' interactions. 50% of people voted that. Mm-hmm. Next was fear of common areas, which we had about 43%. And third was budget concerns, which was just over 40%. So those were the top three. Other options were fear of circulated air, fear of the hotel room, fear of elevators, not enough vacation time, fear of hotel staff interactions, and not enough job security. So 50% chose fear of guest interactions. And And the common spaces, which are kind of the same. I don't know if we talked about this yet. How many people responded to this edition? Yeah, we talked about it, Pete. It was over 5,000. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's important that we look at those numbers and, you know, some of those things you you cannot address job security, but as you go through this list, this is the, the who's who of what you need to do to to alleviate guest concerns. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, to talk to, oh. and you'll see this unfold in some of these questions. There is a variety of responses because every individual person is, is at a different point in their mental state related to this. So I think what one of the insights that has come out of this and that you'll see is you cannot have a blanket strategy. All things do not matter to all people right now. And you've got to try to understand and be empathetic and target people based on where they personally are. And I had a really cool conversation earlier with a friend of the show that um, listens regularly and we, we traded emails with. And she said that one of the, the neat things that she's been seeing is folks at the property are really getting excited at seeing guests because they've gone this, you know, two, three months ago, you were busy and every, you know, a ton of guests come in and out and you kind of doing your job and you take it for granted. But now folks are coming in and you appreciate them and you're treating them special and they are special because you haven't seen another person in a while. So I'm hoping that there's a lot of, um, you know, a renewal of the hospi- 
hospitality spirit that's going to come out of this. It's just one of those byproducts, I think. One thing I was looking at when we were looking at this chart here, fear of guests interacting with other guests. Um, we just had friends who come, come came down this weekend. They stayed at a hotel, um, and the hotel was limiting the hotel or the uh, elevator usage to only only your your party can use it at, at a time. Um, and they they were obviously respecting that, but they said other people did not care at all. Um, they would jump on the elevator with them. You know, they saw a few packed elevators go that clearly people, you know, not with each other. So like you said, Stuart, some things matter to some people, some don't at all. Mm-hmm. So with that said, we also did take a look for some questions based on age and gender. And for this question, looking at millennials, they ranked budget concerns as their top concern versus number three, which was how the whole the whole right. group did. Which, which we know millennials have been financially more impacted by this. You know, if you look at the folks that have been let go, it tends to be the younger folks within organizations. So that and, and they they've been hurting anyway. They've been kicked in the teeth a few times with the downturn. So the younger budget is going to be more of a concern. And they're also younger, which means they're probably not as fearful of some of the other stuff. Uh, but it, but it is interesting that both the number one and number two were really similar. The two sides right. of the same same coin, right? It's common areas and fear of other people, primarily the guests, because there really is this kind of them and us mentality that's going on here. And when you go out and about, you kind of look around and distrust the the stranger that's you know standing in front of you, because they might have this coronavirus thing. So. That, that definitely reinforces what conventional wisdom would dictate. So you got to make sure you're addressing these fears. I think that's the most important thing. And this question had a write-in option, and we looked at those people who took the time to write their answers in, and a lot of people <laughs> said there was nothing holding them back. Like, hey, I'm ready to go. But other people did mention that they were concerned that either the area that they were going to or that the amenities at the property would not be open when they got there. So I think it's really, really, really important that hotels are updating all the things with what is going on in the area, what is going on on site in terms of what's open and what's not, because people want to know. And I think that's one area where hotels can do a much better job. We see it across the board where the pools are closed or, in the one case, breakfast is not available. You can't hide that because if a guest is expecting to jump in the pool when they get there and they can't, you let them down. You gave them a promise of something that you couldn't deliver. So you, know, it is better to be upfront and let them know what amenities are and are not available. Yeah, I think you have to be very clear with that because one of the things I noticed, again, our friends were here. We stopped by the hotel they were staying at. The pool was open, open, it was packed, but their water slides weren't closed. And I couldn't figure out what's the difference between you know, all these people sitting around and being in the pool together but not being able to use the water slides. It was just um, I, maybe I just didn't understand, but that, that should be something that's communicated to the guest. You know, this is open, this isn't, and here's why. Yeah. And that means staying on top of those triggered messages that we talk about all the time that you should be sending with the most up-to-date information. And that may change daily at this point. Yeah, that means Hospitality 101, right, is set expectations. that Everyone should be doing this all the time. But knowing what expectations you need to set 
is important. So now you know what to set. Now you know. Now you All know. right. We are now moving on to question number 10. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Just for the record, this breaks my brain when you jump around in numbers. I don't like well, it. It hurts me. Sorry, you wanted to talk about new questions, so we're talking about new questions. Okay. Here we go. Uh, rank in order how you would most like to check in for your next vacation. Now, I'm going to read these in no particular order, and I would like, well, you guys already are seeing the information, but I'm going to read them in no particular order. One, via the hotel's website. Two, via a phone call. Three, via a touchscreen kiosk in the lobby. Number four, via a mobile app. Or number five, at the front desk. This question, or the response to this question, shocked me more than anything else in this survey. Agreed. Because the number one answer was check-in at the front desk. It was also one of the lowest answers, too, if you look at that span, because the way you can order it top or bottom, I think it was yeah. second in terms of the number of bottom votes. It was just substantially number one in top votes as well. Yes. So it was very polarizing. Number two was via a mobile app. Number three was via the hotel website, then phone call and in very very last place was the touchscreen kiosk in the lobby which is funny right because you see all these folks right now that have touchscreen kiosk technology saying oh this is the future the contactless da da da, da. it doesn't make sense it does not make <laughs> sense like Apparently everyone's not. touching the same screen everyone's lining up behind the same thing in a common area it it doesn't make logical sense and overwhelmingly the people we asked in the survey said they do not want to use a touchless kiosk or a touchscreen kiosk in the lobby. They do not want to use it. It's their last choice out of all the choices. I thought it was strange because, I mean, if you think about the front desk, you are handing another person a card, which gets run through a machine. You're counting on that, uh, a human human interaction rather than... Um, a touch screen in the lobby, I mean, neither are necessarily clean, but to have them that far apart in responses, I thought was a little strange. Because I, here's you. the difference, right? The, you, the guests are the ones touching the kiosk. The staff, there's an assumption, right? There's an assumption that the staff are trained and that they're following protocols, that they're wearing a mask, they're wearing gloves, that they have a process. You probably don't have to hand a credit card because they've probably got a chip and pin reader that faces the guests so they can touch it themselves, right? It, but they're still a, touching that. They're still, they're still, touching they're right. still, they're still you, handing over an ID. No, not necessarily, right? You can hold up an ID and they can look at it. You can hand, you can have a, a, a pot of um, Q-tips or something to punch in the number or give them some kind of device or they pull up some. There are, there are things you can do to make adjustments so there's no touching, physical hand-to-hand -hand touching of anything or you can I, I hand know, them, when you give them the keys common. you can give them a white a clorox white you know there are things to do plus people are creatures of habit people do not like doing things they haven't done before at all so i think that's why that front desk was still so very popular that said millennials were more inclined to check in via an app than at the front desk and, that and would be my females preferred too, way. right? Females were more likely than a um, than, than males. males. Yeah. 
So yes. if you have a younger crown, and, and keep in mind, millennials are 39 and below. You know, As Tim Peter likes to say, adults under 40 are, are these millennials now. They're not some evil, you know, hipster college kid. These, these are grown-up people with families. They want to use an app. If you don't have an app, you don't offer that, then I think you're missing the boat. And the one thing we saw in this question and a lot of others is the same, which is different people feel comfortable with different things. You know, there was a lot of people said they don't want the front desk, but the majority of people said they do want the front desk. So you've got to make sure you give choice to your guests. You offer a mobile app. You offer front desk. You offer over the phone. You offer via your website. You give them choices. Don't bother about the, the touch the touchscreen kiosk because apparently no one wants that. <laughs> but give give them the other options and tell them, inform them, educate them, set expectations that they can do any of these things. All right. We're moving on to questions 11 and 12 in tandem because they 11, are... 11, 12, 12, 12, 11, 12, 12, 12, 12. <laughs> So first... Would you be willing to use a hotel's mobile app to check into your hotel? And then would you be willing to use an app to unlock your room? Now, to check in, 81% said, yes, sign me up for that. I'm all about that. 81%. 81%. I would say that, that, that is a dramatic majority, I would say. Yes, it is. But to unlock the room, this doesn't make sense to me. Only 60% said yes. What would... I don't know what would stop people from unlocking the room with an app versus checking in if that many people said yes to checking in. Tech, technology is phobia of technology, I think. It's, it's foreign to people. It seems a little bit outside of their comfort zone, I would, I would assume. Maybe we need to ask why next time as a quick follow-up question. Yeah, I agree, Stuart, because I want to know the – I want to just curious what the answer is. It's so easy to do. Um, why wouldn't you be willing to do it, especially if you already have the app that you're willing to use to check in? <laughs> it's just it's a little disconnect there. Yeah, but keep in mind, it's still over 60% of people. It's still the majority of people do want to use an app to unlock their door. It's just yeah. lower than the other folks that want to check in. Oh, definitely. And, and uh, if I'm correct, the majority of the people who responded to this were were older, right? Yes, they did tend to be on the older side. Over 50, something like that? Yes, yes. And so speaking of which, millennials definitely did vote higher. Uh, to check in, they were at 89%. And to unlock the room, we were at 72% versus 60. So yeah. significantly higher. Yeah, if you have a younger audience that is your typical demographic and you don't have a mobile app, you better get one. And no uh, one's going to do the shameless plug right there. <laughs> you should use the Fuel Hotel mobile app and digital key. Yeah, which is amazing, by the way. And that is where I've spent a majority of my week this week is showing people that, that technology. It, it, it's funny. We've gone from, I'd say in January, you know, we've had this app product for what, almost three years now. And we've done the integration. We had the integrations with Asa Abloy and other key manufacturers for probably a good year or so. But it's been really hard to sell that product. Like a lot of hotels just weren't interested in taking on new technology in, in something that there wasn't necessarily proven. But since this COVID thing happened, it's it's been like a tidal wave hitting us of demand because everyone and their uncle 
needs and wants contactless check-in. So it's it's been it's been a fun roller coaster for sure. But apparently, it's gone from a you know superfluous product that don't don't really need to absolutely essential. So if if you do need a mobile app, in all seriousness, we we do have a good product, and you can hit us up info at fueltravel.com or just go to fueltravel.com and click on the software section. You can read all about the fuel mobile app and digital key. PSA is over. Continue. <laughs> Moving on to question 13. 13, 13, 13, 13. That's really hard. These numbers are hard to say like that. Yep. For your next vacation, what level of housekeeping would you prefer? Oh, I so like this one. Had, yeah, this was a good one. I was pretty excited about this one. What I was surprised to see is that the answers were just so diverse. I was expecting to see like, you know, 70% said X and it wasn't. The highest score that we got was at 29% for only when I request it, which I would have thought would have been number one, which it was, but I just thought that number would have been higher. Mm -hmm. So here's the way I look at those, those figures is if I just subtract daily full service, it tells me that roughly 78, I'm sorry, yes, yeah, 78% of people do not want daily full service housekeeping. Yeah, but to Melissa's yes. point, it's like 29%, 22%, 22%. It's it's very spread out, which again tells you each individual is different. So giving mm -hmm. people choice is really important. And this is one of those things similar to what you were saying with the, the breakfast earlier, Pete. Wait, there's a massive opportunity for the property to make a little more profit here. If you have the conversation, don't just assume everyone wants daily housekeeping because like you said, 70 odd percent do not want daily housekeeping right now so have the conversation at check-in and somehow denote in their folio this person wants upon request this person just wants towels replaced every day this person <laughs> wants every other day if you can logistically handle that you're going to save so much in housekeeping is it a little more complicated to manage yeah sure it is everything we're doing right now is more complicated to manage it's okay because you're going to save a lot of time and money and more importantly, the guest is going to be more satisfied because you're catering to their specific needs. And how, how would you word that, do you think, to a guest? Do you say, um, which days of your stay would you like housekeeping? And then, and then note it that way and you can staff appropriately, try to get that information at check-in, help yourself out a bit. I, I mean, yeah. that's kind of what like, I, I, I request do, is strange. I would do it more of, you know, we provide housekeeping every other day of your stay. However, if you would like daily housekeeping, just let us know. Yeah. Uh, and make it so that they don't, because in my case, housekeeping, at least for my wife, housekeeping is the biggest stressor of a, a vacation because she doesn't like the idea of somebody coming in. So she's, you know, straightening up the room, making sure it's not too dirty you know, for the <laughs> housekeeper to come in. So she's super happy if nobody comes in the room the whole time. Uh, you know, so if, if you can give people an every other day by default and then or if you want free daily service, that's great, too. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Pete. I think you have to have a default and, and tell people that. But that default should not be every day. The default should be something that's more favorable to you and then say, so maybe it's, it's two or three options, right? It's by default, we offer every other day. Um, if you would prefer daily housekeeping, we can do that. Or if you just prefer us to switch out towels every day. Or you can just let us know if you don't want us to come in unless you inform us. Because that's ideal for everyone. I'm, I'm the same as your wife, Pete. I don't I don't want people in the room if I'm only there for a few days, ever. Yeah. So it, I would prefer it, that. 
And in some cases, you can incentivize that. I've stayed at properties before that have said, hey, we give daily housekeeping or every other day housekeeping. If you want to not have housekeeping because you're only staying here for two or three nights, we'll give you free drink tickets for the bar. So you can and, even sweeten the pot. And here's one thing I would definitely say is this is not a question you ask during checkout. This is a question you <laughs> ask during pre-arrival or check-in. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make it more complicated during the checkout process online. There's no reason to do that. Oh, that checkout. Oh, yeah. Okay. I said, I thought you no, I'm sorry. Like room check well, I thought you were being uh, funny. Upon, I'm sorry. Upon <laughs> reservation, um, you don't ask that question. You want to ask yeah. this question either in a pre-arrival email or when that user's checking in on their convenient mobile app. Yeah, yeah. Don't get in the way of the booking. I was the same. I thought you were being facetious, but no. Oh, no. You, I was you, being you, serious. Okay. All right. All phrasing, All right. Pete. Phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> upon completion of the conversion funnel. <laughs> The omni-channel conversion phone. <laughs> For all the omni-channel shoppers. In, in times like these. Now more than ever. We're in it together. With an abundance of caution. <laughs> During the new normal. <laughs> Moving on to number 14. 14, 14, 14, 14, 14, 14, 14, 14. All right. So this question is not actually new to this round of the survey, but it is new to the podcast because it wasn't on the round that we talked about last time. So this question is asking how people would like to consume food while they were on vacation. And With there is mouth. That was the number one response. <laughs> there is a slew of answers that we allowed them to choose from or rate uh, from buying groceries and eating in the room, ordering room service, eating inside or outside at a hotel restaurant, eating inside or outside at a local area restaurant, ordering takeout and ordering delivery were the categories. And then they were to rate it from definitely to not or definitely not. And then we threw in, I never do this anyway, just because I wasn't sure when people said definitely not if it was because of the virus or if they just like, hey, this isn't my gig, I don't do this anyway. So as it turns out, ordering room service is highly unpopular or the least popular in terms of people doing it. We had 18% that said, I never do this anyway. Aside from that, in terms of what people do want to do, buying groceries to eat in the room is hot. It's a hot spot. So if you are a property that has rooms with kitchenettes, you want to be promoting the heck out of that right now. Additionally, either eating outside at your property or eating outside at a local restaurant, also very hot spots. Yeah, so, I thought that was the, the most overwhelming thing outside of the grocery delivery thing. But the uh, eating outside is what everybody wants to do. And if you have a hotel on property, but you don't have outside seating, you need to make some outside seating and, and bring the food to guests outside somehow, uh, whether it be parking lot, lawn, what have you. I think taking advantage of this is, is something that your guests definitely want. Yes, for sure. Um, I will say this. So compare. So we first asked this in the last round of the survey. So compare to two weeks ago, those people choosing to eat inside at either the rest at, at the hotel or at a local restaurant. Uh, those percentage points in terms of 
at least considering, had actually improved uh, a handful of percentage points in the last two weeks. So it's encouraging, I guess, that people are feeling more comfortable to eat inside. Yeah, which coincides with more restaurants offering that and people beginning to get more comfortable with that. So I think we'll continue to see that trend most likely. All right. Those are all the new things. Let's talk about some old but still important things. Oldies but goodies. Oldies but goodies. We're jumping back up to number five. (laughs) During the outbreak, I would like to hear from hotels on the following topics. Um, And basically, we're looking at safety things versus deals versus all the other things that we asked. And number one, which has been number one for at least the last three rounds, is they want to know what the property is doing to protect guests. We are up to 64% of respondents saying that. And that is up from 62% the last time. And this has gone up on every single version of this survey, this percentage. Yeah. Which is... If you don't have a COVID-19 response page on your website that's prominent and easily accessed, then you're probably losing out some of your bookings right now. It is it is the number one. As people get to that point where they're not just dreaming about booking a hotel room, but they're actually doing their research, this is a critical component. And more so than price, this is going to end up helping people determine where they end up staying. If the room, if the hotel next door to you is $50 more expensive or $50 cheaper, it won't matter. It matters how you're treating the guests, how you're protecting the guests compared to them. One, I would like to add to this question, um, what amenities are open or, you know, things to do open nearby kind of thing? Because I feel like that would be very high on this list, if not equal to what is the property doing to protect guests? Yeah, which we saw write-ins for that as well, similar to the other question about the fears, what's preventing you from booking, things not being open. I think you're right. I think whether a pool is open at a resort is very important to whether someone Yeah, moves. that would be make or break for so many people, whether yeah. whether the pool and, or whatever outdoor features or, or even, even things nearby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the local area for sure. And the good news is that those choosing to say they don't want to hear from hotels at all has decreased again. And this has gone down again since we started this. We're now down to 18% of people who don't want to hear from hotels at all. And that's down from 20% on the last round. So that is good news. But speaking of write-ins, there are a couple of favorite write-ins that I highlighted (laughs) here. And... I've said this now every time I've talked about this survey, but I feel like the write-ins on this particular question are just an absolute perfect snapshot of America as it stands today. So responses ranged from, quote, unquote, I'm tired of hearing about COVID, (laughs) to knowing what they want to know what the estimated occupancy of the hotel is going to be. And then... Other people want to know if masks are going to be required or at least recommended. Yeah. And someone said that COVID is a hoax. So yes. you've got the spectrum for sure. The earth is flat too. We got <laughs> well, if, if you ask 5,000 people and they give you your opinions, you're going to get some that are uh, outliers and are some thrown wha- out. Some wackadoos. You will, yeah. For sure. 
All right, moving on to question number six. How likely are you to book a trip in the X next number of days? So we've got 30, 60, 90 days, six months, and then in the next year. And this has been growing confidence, survey after survey of people willing to travel in the next 30 days. We are at 54% responding maybe or higher within 30 days. We've got 66% within 60 days, 79% within the next 90 days. So that's awesome. And for the next 30 days, we went from 50% on the last survey as maybe or higher up to 54%. When we first asked this question in the middle of April, it was only 37%. So positive news there. More than half of the people want to start planning the trip in the next 30 days. So if you, regardless of your situation, and I think you could argue that if you're in a city, it's maybe not realistic. But I I disagree with that. I think if you draw a two-hour circle around your destination, people are pent up. The the demand for travel is, is palpable. And you can get people that have never considered traveling to you before. And it might not be this coming weekend. But as we've seen, as as other markets have opened up, there's a surge in demand. So it could be that you're sitting at very low occupancy today, but two or three or four weeks from now, you're going to be potentially very full. So in order to prime that, the one thing we've seen consistently across every destination is the properties that were early to advertise are the ones that gain the majority of the line share of the bookings that come in. And they're taking market share away from their competition. So you've got to get your advertising back up and back running, especially in that two hour drive market radius. You need to be doing some geo-targeting and in, in with the right messaging based on what your situation is, but you've got to be top of mind because people are going to start traveling. Even if you're in a city, people are going to start traveling and you need to be ready for it. Oh, and and people, people do want to travel now, seemingly. I mean, I, I don't want to foreshadow too much but the next one says that it is sooner than later are you referring to question number seven which we asked when do you intend to book your future vacation and when do you intend to travel for your future vacation and we've asked this uh, for a lot of rounds now and the first choice previously had been for both of these questions after the virus has passed because basically people had no freaking clue what was going on Um, and that number has been going down with each version of this survey so people are actually becoming ready to make a decision but i say that sort of with a caveat here's my first caveat caveat. bingo so while that number has gone down the the actual number of undecided has actually gone up a little bit. So they're, they're sort of past the, I know this, this virus is going to pass, but I still don't really know what I'm going to book. So mm-hmm. there's that. But June is was most popular for when people will book. Um, and for travel, we were pretty neck and neck between June and July of those people who did answer. Yeah. It's, these are all, you know, these all add up as little tiny indicators of people seem to be, majority of people seem to be on the other side of this thing. 
they're beginning to re-begin the recovery of thinking about normal life again. You know, we see that offices, certainly on the East Coast, are beginning to open again. People are beginning to gather again. You know, West Coast will probably take a little bit longer, but it's inevitable they're going to follow the same trend. So this this moving um, bell curve of demand has continued to shift towards now. Right, it, it's gone. For, the uncertainty is reducing, the certainty is increasing, and people are beginning to get back to normal. So you got to be. Ready. I think. I think partially. I mean, yeah, it might be due to uh, reduced fear of the virus itself, but it's also, you know, reduced fear of losing your money by making a booking because I, I think people know that there there are flexible cancellations out there. There's free cancellations. Um, Businesses are looking. Every commercial you see is talking about how businesses are looking to, you know, look out for people and and offer you know special special things that that can make uncertainty less. It's just you know they're they're ready to book now, and mm-hmm. it looks like a lot of people are are even ready to stay now. So I think those things kind of uh, correlate a little bit there. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to question number. Eight. So this is my next caveat. This is caveat number two. Told you. This question says, how soon will you be willing to make the following trips? And we've broken it down to basically distance in time from your home. So we've asked this question multiple surveys ago, and we changed the wording a slight bit this time. The question used to say, how soon after restrictions are listed, lifted will you be willing to make the following trips? And we took the after restrictions are lifted off of this question. And with that, we did see a decrease in people saying that they would be ready to travel within one month across all distances from staying locally to the two-hour drive, six-hour drive, 10-hour drive, and flying. All of these categories decreased within one month. And I I do think it is because of the wording of the question. So, um, but that said, the two-hour drive is still very, very popular. We had 60% of consumers ready to travel within three months. And of that, we had 29% saying that they were willing to travel within one month. Um, Staying local was at 43% within three months. Driving up to six hours was at 44%. And flying was a mere 18%. So... Looking at our data comparison, that two-hour drive did decrease quite a bit. It was at 34% on our last survey, and as I said, it's down to 29%. So that's my caveat, number one. That was number two. Caveat. Oh, right. Caveat number two. And the same caveat applies to the Wait, next is this, question. Is this three? Is this caveat three? It's caveat three. But it's trying really, to carry the same caveat over. Yeah. It's, it's 2A. <laughs> that is a mystery. There's a of caveat caveats. to the caveats. <laughs> this is because an inception level caveat. <laughs> question number nine no, 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 says, no, no. how soon will you be willing to travel to the following destination types? And this is the same caveat that we took off is it after the, restrictions. Is it, it the is. same caveat? Okay. It Different is. question. All right. So basically we're looking at open air destinations, moving on to small towns, major cities, ski destinations, theme parks, 
foreign country cruises and fake news and the all-inclusive resorts. So it hasn't changed that our top three have consistently been beach destination, somewhere in nature, small town. All three of those since the inception of this survey have been more inclined to travel within one month and the one to three month category than any of these other um, destination types. And it's a drastic drop as soon as you hit major cities. So small town within one month is at 33%. Major city drops down to 15% within one month. Cruises is 3%. Three. But you know what's even worse than cruises? Is foreign countries. Yes. So so here's some numbers for you, Melissa, since you like numbers. The U.S. has 93 million of its citizens travel outside the country every year. And we get about 75,000 visitors into our country million. from other countries. Yeah. So 79 million. million. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, a little bit more than that. But so basically we are a net exporter of tourism funds. That's changing. So right now, if, if you look at that stat that says 82.7% of people are thinking about traveling to a foreign country in more than a year. So for the next year, they're not traveling outside the country. That gives hoteliers stateside a huge advantage to go after that 93 million number and get some of those guests to stay stateside if it's uh, a beach destination, a small town, or wherever it might be. Because people are not going on cruises, because they're not traveling overseas, there is a big opportunity to grow our market share. So, so you need me Absolutely. figuring out how can you go after them? What can you provide as value that maybe offsets what they're lo- losing? So if you're you know, a more extreme place, the kind of place that wouldn't just be someone coming to every year, but more than once in a lifetime, this year might be the best year you've ever had because you may be able to convince people to spend a little bit more knowing that they're not going to have expensive international flights to deal with. So there's a big opportunity there, for sure. I still want to know what people consider small town. Yeah, I'd I'd like to know that myself. We asked the question. We did, but I mean, (laughs) I think think it's valid. It's just, um, I feel like that's somebody's opinion, what's small compared to large town. And being that that is where people want to travel within the month, it's just... um, you know, I, I want a little more insight into what is small town. Do you want us to put yeah. a population cap on that, Phil, for the next time? <laughs> well, well, what's what is your population cap? Be? Less than a million people. I mean, that's that's a million people's a big town, in my opinion. Small town is, I would say, mm-hmm. in the less than a hundred thousand. I mean, maybe even smaller than that, like less than fifty thousand. I guess, yeah. Um, all right, Melissa's the only one allowed to caveat, so you overstepped your mark. I apologize. All right, we're going to wrap this up with some fun with words. I feel like that needs a jingle. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Pete, Bill, either one, you want to jingle that? Pete's, Pete's the jingle master. Oh, I, thought, I thought Phil had this one. <laughs> <laughs> I got no jingle for words. How about everyone at home listening right now? They make up their own jingle in their head. You exactly. send in you send in the jingle lyrics and Pete will sing it. How about that? There you go. 
So fun with so, words. Let's go. Fun with words. We're going with the number one, 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 one question, which is what is the first word you think of when considering travel right now? And the number one word hasn't changed in any of the versions of this survey. The number one word is still safety by far and large people are concerned about safety as all their other answers you know corroborated that aside from checking in at the front desk you know that makes sense in this round of the survey though uh we had some new words pop up and that was money and price and i thought that that was interesting because I was on both sides of the coin of whether that was positive or negative. To explain Comments. that, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Like what, how, how do you interpret it? The two different ways, because they're very so different. I, it could be positive because it could be an indication that people are tra- are thinking about traveling right now. And so they're talking about budget items or is it negative because people are out of work and there's a financial strain weighing on consumers. I read it the first way, uh, the more positive way. So they're they're saying that, all right, well, what's what's the price of my vacation? You know, what what's my money situation? I want to travel. That's that's kind of how I understood it. That that was my gut instinct too, but I don't think we can dismiss the possibility of the other one. But we've seen in other questions, you know, for example, the one where we asked, what do you want to hear from properties right now? Uh, we've seen them change as people get closer to actually making a decision. Like the priorities and the factors are going to alter because when you're a month away from making a decision, it's more aspirational, it's more dreaming, it's more, you know, big kind of picture stuff. But as you get close to pulling the trigger on the checkout page, the actual booking engine checkout page, then you are more likely to be thinking about brass tacks, right? What is the specific information that matters to me at this point? And I think price is one of those. So I, I, I agree with Bill. I think it's the, that one, not the other one. So if you take that and jump to the last question, which is number 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15. we asked them to complete the following sentence. I will travel when? And again, safety is number one. Actually, it's feel safe is how people completed that sentence. But we also had new words that include afford and money. Mm-hmm. My favorite one on this list, oh, on the word cloud, is travel. <laughs> I will travel I will when travel. travel. When I travel. <laughs> see, see, my favorite one is coronavirus people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's coronavirus people. In the first question, uh, looking forward or how you think about traveling now, my favorite answer used to be nope. Nope. That nope. has been consistent. Just nope. <laughs> Actually, that's not on here this time. Yeah. No, nope dropped off. Gone. No, that should have been in the observation. Nope is gone. I missed that one. How did I miss that? All right, edit the blog post. Jeez. Nope is a big deal. No one's at the nope anymore. No nopes. That is such an answer that I would have. Just nope. Nope. (laughs) Not happening, for sure. Well, Melissa, thank you again for this. This is great. My pleasure. Sorry, one, one, one last thing. I will travel when June is on this list. 
It is. Oh wow! Yeah, you're that's right. eye-opening. I didn't notice. Yeah, that they're being very specific. They're taking the question literally. <laughs> I will travel in June. Yeah, which this coincides one. with our little bar graph of when people are going to travel. June was the number one answer, so that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Look at that corroborating data. Love it. How about that? It's not fake data, like Pete's it cruise line not. information. It's legit. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Pete's cruise line information was real news. It's just not going to help the cruise line. Guys, I don't know. I think we solved the cruise line's industry problem by saying, just become a hotel on the water. Yeah. <laughs> right. Floating hotels. That's funny. Well, guys, this is great. This, we'll continue to update this data every two weeks. You can get the information on our website, fueltravel.com, and uh, click on the news section. We Melissa's doing that. She's also publishing videos of this content for HSMEI. So if you subscribe to their list, you'll get a little video hearing Melissa walk through this a little more succinctly than we did today and slightly less humorously, but only slightly. <laughs> so you can do that as well. Uh, Melissa, if they want to hit you up with questions about this, where can they find you on the webs? I am on Twitter at M-A-Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And Pete? I'm on LinkedIn also now, uh, which I've been for a long time, but I really haven't paid much attention to it. Or you can find me on Twitter at P-D-I-M-A-I-O. P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Phil? You can find me on Twitter at P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. P -F -O -R -I -S -K -A. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Don't forget, if you're interested in the mobile app or you have questions or anything you want to discuss with us, then info at fueltravel.com is the email address. And if you want to follow along to these graphs that we discussed today, fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 154. And thank you for listening. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Hello. Hello. Hey guys.